This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Joining us now here on the flagship podcast is longtime, uh, well, columnist for the Oklahoman. He's been the sports editor, the assistant sports editor. He's done it all. Uh, one of the most respected voices, certainly in the Big 12 and now headed to the SEC. Uh, of course, he does it all for the Oklahoman, Barry Trammell. Barry, how are you doing? Thanks for joining us here on the flagship podcast. Well, I'm doing all right, Chip. I'm uh, immersing myself in SEC culture. I'm uh, actually on vacation, so uh, I've now been in uh, five SEC states, Oklahoma, <laughs> Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. So headed headed to the beach today. Headed, headed to the beach, and I've gotten Barry up uh, bright and early uh, at his hotel this morning, so um, we appreciate the time, Barry. And you know, obviously what a week, I mean, it still seems a bit surreal, uh, from the time that, uh, the news broke in the Houston Chronicle, Brent Zwerneman's article, uh, saying that Texas and Oklahoma were, uh, had been in contact with the sec about joining the sec. And then Monday, they notify the big 12. They want out Tuesday, uh, they apply for admission to the SEC Thursday. The presidents vote them in. And on Friday, we we finally hear from the principals as they address the regents before the regents vote in Texas and Oklahoma, accept the uh, the uh, invitation to join the SEC. Barry, just your thoughts. Well, I'm, I think I'm like everybody. I was stunned when it happened. I read a quote from somebody. I can't remember who it was. It was an anonymous source. Uh, I think it was a, a Big 12 source of some kind who, when they saw the report, they didn't believe it because everything seemed to be going so well in the Big 12. And, you know, I was sort of the same way. It couldn't be true. But turns out it was true. OU in Texas really didn't uh, clue anybody in to their – concerns financially and long-term and those kinds of things. Um, they hit it pretty well, but it was absolutely true. And uh, really far down the road, that's what's clear to me is this has been, you know, this has been a year long process or, or so. So uh, yeah, just stunning to most of us, but sort of re it sort of uh, reinforces your belief in mankind that people can keep a secret. We had the, we had the 12 team playoff that, Bob Bowles being Greg Sankey and a couple other guys kept under their hat for over a year. And now this, so heck maybe, uh, maybe Americans aren't as loose lipped as we thought. <laughs> well, I found it interesting, Barry, that Oklahoma under David Boren had knocked on the sec door previously. I think solo also in an, an attempt to bring Oklahoma state with them and those ventures were unsuccessful. 
Now you have Joe Harris as the president at Oklahoma and Joe Harris and Jay Hartzell um, make this work. Uh, and it's and Oklahoma State is not a part of it. I thought there were some interesting comments from from Joe Harris uh, to the regents. But your thoughts on Oklahoma, their previous ventures uh, to try to get into the SEC and now and now it's happening. Yeah, you know, 11 years ago, when it looked like the Big 12 would implode, um, everybody was in talks with all kinds of people. You know, the PAC was the most uh, public uh, potential PAC 16 with OU in Texas and OSU and for a while maybe A&M or whoever. Uh, and those eventually sort of fell apart and, and OU – we looked at the, at the SEC, wanted to take OSU with them. The SEC was not all that fired up about that prospect. Bob Stoops did not want to go to the SEC. He didn't want to go to the PAC. He wanted to stay in the Big 12. And um, eventually, uh, you know, David Bourne said, well, you know, we're not going without OSU. Uh, and they sort of patched the – patch the Big 12 back together, and, and it worked out great for, for a long time, for another decade. Um, but, you know, things change. David Bourne's not the president anymore. Burns Hargis isn't the president at OSU anymore. That brotherhood, that kinship that they seem to have, is uh, it's not a bad relationship now between the leaders, but it's not any kind of uh, commitment to, to stick together, which may be news to OSU, but that's how OU feels. So uh, changing landscape, and now it turns out that maybe OU and Texas are more tied closely than, than OU and OSU, which is sort of startling to anybody. But that, that clearly is, is where we're at. Yeah, that relationship, um, it is fascinating, the personalities uh, in the leadership role and how those mesh together because Donnie Duncan and DeLos Dodds helped form the Big 12 back in 1994 to lost odds. And Joe Castiglione had a great relationship. Um, it soured under Steve Patterson and then has come back together with Chris Del Conte as the athletic director. I think a lot of people look at Oklahoma and say, why? Why would you do this? You own the Big 12. You've dominated the Big 12, won six straight Big 12 titles, uh, 15 of 21 Big 12 titles in football. Is that, do you have a, a good sense of why, why now? Well, I mean, I think it's mostly financial. Um, you know, the, the tea leaves of the last year have not been good for, for the Big 12. When, the, uh, when Fox and ESPN declined to open up contract exclusive contract uh, extension negotiations uh, that gave them pause uh, the CBS getting out of the business uh, with, with ESPN taking over the SEC and what is it whatever that 24 contract yeah and then, you know just an unbelievable contract and uh, the marriage of the SEC and the ESPN and you know to the exclusion of anybody else it's sort of daunting. You know, OU wants to – it's had a great run here in the last several years, but it hadn't won the title, the national title. And that's what it wants to do. And 
I think the Sooners felt from a financial and maybe even a competitive standpoint, that was going to get harder and harder to do. So, you know, the idea that uh, the, the SEC might be a better path sort of crystallized. And then along comes the 12-team playoff proposal that made the, really the, the biggest stumbling block to OU and the SEC was, well, how are you going to get the playoffs four out of six years like you've done? Well, if they go, they expand the thing, well, then it's a lot easier. Uh, it turns out it may not expand uh, because of OU and Texas jumping ship. But uh, anyway, I think it's mostly financial. The, the money is just so outrageous that what OU and Texas can make um, and I also think there was a growing resentment in the Big 12 uh, among at least OU, maybe Texas too, at how these two schools were carrying everybody. Uh, you know, OU believes that OU and Texas represent 100% of the Big 12's worth. Now, I think that's not exactly the truth, but it's definitely, you know, they're getting 10% of the of the television contracts and, you know, provide 80%, 90% of the worth of the television contract. And I think there was some natural resentment that settled in on that. And eventually I think they came to the conclusion that, uh, you know, let's, let's, let's do something about it. Talking to Barry Trammell and uh, Barry, the, um, I, I was told Fox, tried to get in front of Texas and Oklahoma to tell them if you go independent, we'll pay you what we were paying the entire big 12 and fill your schedule with big 10 and pack opponents. Those teams are primarily a Fox property, uh, but nothing, nothing could slow the sec train. Yeah, no. And you know, that's, that independent stuff, that's awfully alluring. It's awfully fascinating and interesting. Sounds like fun. But when you get to February and your basketball team's been playing, you know, Oral Roberts and Texas Rio Grande Valley, when, you know, everybody else is playing conference games, it's not so great. And all the other championships, you know, Texas had a great has a fantastic athletic program, just won the, the Learfield Cup, as, as Longhorn fans know. So, I mean, they, you got to think about things besides football. I know football rose the boat. I know that's what everybody's mind centers on. But Texas and OU both take pride in, in their athletic departments, and both have had great success. And they got to look out for softball and swimming and volleyball and all these other sports. So, uh, it's not like the SEC is going to hold those back. We're going to enhance those in all likelihood. So, you know, from just a purely selfish standpoint, this was this was the great move for both. The downside is it hurts a bunch of old friends and comrades that we really don't have anything against. I mean, OU doesn't. They don't want to hurt OSU. They, you know, they feel bad about Iowa State and Kansas State. I mean, they've been in a league with Kansas State and Iowa State since 1920 that's a 101 years ago yeah so you know they, they feel bad about that but not bad enough to stay and you know i don't i assume texas has some sort of the same thoughts about tech and whoever but um it's just uh, it's just one of the sad realities of the modern athletic landscape is that the, 
bridge between the haves and the haves not. So it's growing and the haves want more and more. You know, the one thing, the one thing rich people want is more money. They don't generally want to give it away. They want, they want more of it. And that's embodied by the athletic departments at OU in Texas. Yeah. Um, talking to Barry Trammell of the Oklahoma, and we'll take a quick break here on the flagship podcast. Come right back with Barry, get into uh, some more of the comments from the OU president to OU regents on Friday. Uh, we'll do that next right here on the flagship podcast. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential and then through some elbow grease, fresh installs and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Back now with Barry Trammell here on the flagship podcast. Barry Trammell, a longtime voice of reason for the Oklahoma, uh, covering the Big 12, covering OU, Oak State. And Barry, um, some interesting comments from Joe Harris. First of all, let me get your thoughts. I don't know Joe Harris like I knew David Boren. What, what do you, uh, you know, tell us about Joe Harris, the new OU president. Well, he's a long time, well, he's a lifelong Oklahoman. Um, he was sort of a, a, bro, a born protege in his younger days in terms of, uh, he was on the staff early, you know, became dean of the law school at a fairly young age. Uh, very personable, just incredibly personable fellow. Uh, very smart. Um, has not really, you know, he's been the, he was the interim president for a year or so and then became president uh, permanent president so he's been in charge i don't know two and a half years maybe now but really hasn't uh, made a huge public imprint i would say uh, but clearly did a good job during covid um, it was an alarming time for every university so um, steered the university through that with no layoffs people were very impressed by that but uh, very interested in athletics, big fan, um, and really communicates well. This will give him a much higher profile with, with Oklahomans and with Texans and everybody else, this SEC stuff. But he's the guy that um, really makes his case well when he wants to you know, get a point across and sort of does it without – you know, I love David Bourne, but you know he had a he had a good sized ego, and uh, Joe Harris is able to communicate with sort of out without that side of it, sort of a turn off to a lot of people. So I think he'll do well, and I think um, I think uh, he can uh, communicate with with everybody and and be a pretty good uh, a pretty good voice for not just 
OU, but the state of Oklahoma. So um, it sounds like your timeline matches up with the timeline that I've uh, heard, and that is that Texas and OU officials met about a year ago to start talking about what, uh, how, how are you feeling about things before the, I know the renego or the uh, attempt at renegotiations is sort of being used uh, as the reasoning for Texas and, and OU going to the SEC. It sounds like the conversation started before um, that, which happened in, you know, the earlier part of this year. And then things got uh, more, you know, they revved up about the time that the Big 12 and e, uh, ESPN and Fox, um, you know, ESPN and Fox saying, hey, we're in no hurry here to renegotiate. Then things heated up and it sounds like lawyers were used to do the communicating with the SEC to keep everything uh, completely uh, in that tight little circle. Um, do you get a sense for who was more eager or, um, you know, in, in the, the initial stages of the conversations between uh, Texas and Oklahoma? No, I don't. It's a good question. I don't have a good feel for what was going on in Austin. Virtually anything I know is just what OU people told me, and I don't know if that's the greatest barometer. Uh, so I, uh, I know that eagerness is probably not the right word. I mean, I think the mood in Norman, I think, from leadership was this is something they sort of regret having to do, but they feel like they have to do it. Because the truth is the Big 12 did work well for OU. Uh, you know, they're back on one of their great runs in football and the other sports have done really well. So, uh, and, I, and like I said, they do feel bad about the people they're leaving behind, but sort of the impression I get is they feel like they have to do it. It's a changing world. Um, we see it with the, de the decentralization of the NCAA conference administration is going to be more important than ever. Clearly, the Big 12 is not a conference with the stature of the Big Ten or the SEC. Oklahoma feels like it needs to be in, in, in a conference that's at the top, not just competitively, but sort of politically. So I think all those things just coming together is what sort of made them think about this. And I, you know, I, I know that OU considered, I don't know about actual talking, but I know that OU considered the Big Ten for, for themselves and the Longhorns, not by themselves. And, and just thought, you know what, the SEC is better fit culturally. It's a better fit competitively. Recruiting-wise, it, it's perfect. So I just think at some point in this last year, whatever, whatever the timeline was, that they just decided this is something we need to do. It's not something they used to want to do. I mean, I, can, I know that, you know, Bob Stoops had no desire to go to the SEC 10 years ago, when, and most administrators didn't either. Some were lured by the, by the PAC-12, the, the, the academic stature of the PAC, really appealed to a lot of, of university officials, um, but, but not the SEC, uh, but things change. And the, uh, 
having Texas on board with whoever was rowing the boat, I don't claim to know who was pushing the other one, but knowing you had a partner in Texas made it a lot easier because, you know, an OU official told me they, they want three things, really. They wanted to preserve the Red River rivalry. They wanted to preserve Bedlam and they wanted financial uh, uh, vitality. And he said, with, th with this, uh, we get two of the three and, you know, we, we don't get to take OSU with us. And they're sad about that, but hopefully they can keep the, the, the rivalry and the series alive. So they got most of what they sought for the future. Yeah, Joe um, Harris saying um, we wanted to stay with Oklahoma State, but the market we were dealing with wouldn't allow for it and thought it was good enough for the state of Oklahoma uh, that OU would do it. Otherwise, there would be no schools from the state of Oklahoma uh, in the SEC. Uh, talking to Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman and Barry uh, ESPN has been a central figure, at least in the mind of Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby and um, the cease and desist letter that was sent to ESPN saying stop talking to Big 12 schools and stop talking to other conferences about Big 12 schools, basically um, al alleging, alluding to tortious interference here what are your thoughts on espn's role in this well i mean clearly espn's involved because everyone's paying all that money uh, as much as you know we usa today has run a study and they you know we heard perhaps 60 million at the start for OU in Texas and the other SEC schools in conference payouts. USA Today ran a, ran a study and a formula, and they think it could be as much as $73 million when this thing gets up and running. So um, that's ESPN money. So they're heavily involved. They had, to, they had to be brought into the loop and so that we could – so that OU in Texas could get a gauge on, on what the payoff could be. Of course, ESPN's tie-in with the Longhorn Network is further complicates all that and trying to get out of it or figure out what to do with it. Um, where the intrigue comes in, as far as I can tell, is, is, is ESPN involved at all in doing what Bob Bowlesby accused it of doing, which is tear down the Big 12 even after Texas's departure. I don't know. That seems a little... Uh, it seems a little far-fetched to me. That's not, that's not a very smart business, if that's the case. Uh, I don't even know why why Big 12 schools would want to be would want to be even involved in such talks. You know, joining the American Conference. Golly, why don't you just burn your stadiums down? If that's if that's what your end game is. So I don't know what's going in there, but clearly, for years. Networks have been heavily involved, ESPN more than anybody. Now, you know, they're right in the middle of, of everything. So um, we're going to have to get used to the fact that a business entity like ESPN is, is basically a partner and more than just somebody that writes a check. I mean, it's, it's basically part of the business model of a conference like the SEC. 
I don't know what's happening in terms of the political fallout. I don't know. Um, ESPN will be involved, I think, in the uh, in the negotiations to figure out what to do with OU in Texas, trying to get to the SEC as quick as possible. The Big 12 payouts, the grant of rights, all that stuff. Um, ESPN exerts a lot of power in college football. And it's, um, it's regrettable that it's come to this, but it's probably not the least bit surprising. So we'll just uh, – we'll have to see how it goes, but make no mistake, ESPN will be right in the middle of it. Yeah. Uh, talking to Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman about uh, Texas and Oklahoma uh, joining the SEC. It's effective in 2025, the invitation from the SEC. Barry, what are you hearing in terms of – of Texas and Oklahoma uh, getting out perhaps uh, and joining the SEC before 25? Well, I think, first of all, they'll do everything they can to get out. Um, OU plans to get there as quick as possible, and preferably 2022. Nobody likes a lame duck. It's not good for anybody. In the, uh, in the modern history of realignment, nobody goes more than – well, two seasons as a lame duck has been the maximum. A few ACC, Maryland, Rutgers, a uh, couple of the couple of the Big East to ACC schools. There've been so many I get them mixed up. I think it was Syracuse and maybe maybe Pitt had to play two seasons. Way back in the old days, Arkansas played two lame duck seasons in the Southwest Conference. But most of this has been most of conference realignment is taken care of. By the next season, you know, Nebraska, Colorado, A&M, Missouri, West Virginia, TCU, all of those were examples of school getting out of their conference with, by only playing one lame duck season. Some as few. You know, West Virginia and TCU became members of the Big 12 literally eight, nine months after receiving the invitation. So... Things can be worked out. Now, this is more money than usual, and this is more of a crisis for the Big 12 than usual, so that could hinder it. But I don't see any way that by, by at, la- at least 2023, OU and Texas aren't in the SEC. That's just that's going to be just uh, not a good situation for anybody, as, as well as the Big 12 schools want to get down the road to trying to figure out their own. Uh, their own situation and, and, you know, try to find a landing spot. Yeah. And that's, that echoes what I'm hearing. Um, uh, I think Texas is telling some of its recruits, uh, ideally 2022, 2023 latest. Now, um, you know, that's, that's certainly not coming from the mouth of the president of the university, but, um, uh, anyway, you'll take any little indication you can get at this point. Um, Barry, Oklahoma State, I had a source, industry source, say Oklahoma State is probably the third most valuable uh, entity in the Big 12 uh, because of its consistency in football and, um, and, and all around. Uh, they were the second place finisher in the Director's Cup in the Big 12 behind Texas at number 18. What, what do you think Oklahoma State does? I think they're going to try to get in the pack, form a, you know, an Eastern division of the pack and make it a pack 16. I don't know if it can happen though. Academically, it's not what the pack 
you know, looks for, they, they're looking for, they're not looking for land grant institutions. They're looking for highbrow academics. Uh, culturally, it's not a good fit. You know, this may be news to a lot of people, but Stillwater, Oklahoma, and Oklahoma in general, not exactly walking in lockstep with Berkeley, California. So, you know, it's, it's a lot of a lot of things in the way. Um, four years or ten years ago, OSU was not all that attractive to the Pac-12. They wanted OU in Texas, and they were going to take some others just to get the Sooners and Longhorns. But without the Sooners and Longhorns, Pac is not naturally disposed to say, hey, I like some of those Big 12 teams. But the landscape has changed, and the Pac-12 is not as strong as it thought it was going to be. It's not as strong as it was. They have they have some serious uh, uh, they have distribution problems with the Pac-12 network, but they also have ratings problems with their games on ESPN and Fox. Um, you know, an OSU-West Virginia game, I was, I was looking at it the other day, uh, one, of the, one of the bright spots for Big 12 network for Big 12 telecasts over the last several years was two or three years ago, OSU West Virginia played at 2.30 on ABC and actually won the window. They beat the SEC game, which it, it wasn't an Alabama-Georgia type matchup. I forgot who was playing, Missouri, Tennessee, somebody. I, but anyway, OSU West Virginia won the, won the window. They beat a Notre Dame game, Notre Dame-Syracuse, I think, on NBC. And they beat... USC, UCLA on Fox. So if I'm OSU, I'm taking that one little ratings for that day and say, listen, we can help you guys. Uh, you know, we're not Oklahoma, we're not Texas, but we got people that will watch our games. And uh, maybe the maybe Fox, you know, Fox is the is the is the big loser because you know they're they had that. Yeah, bunch of resources and promotions tied up into uh, that big noon kickoff, which out here, of course, means 11 a.m., the bane of everyone's existence. And OU and Texas got hit with a bunch of those games. Now they've got no marquee, marquee games to slide into that. But um, I've told OSU officials through my writing, hey, you know, don't, don't be mad at the Sooners. Don't hold grudges. Don't go and drop them. Embrace it. Yeah, keep the Bedlam series. Go, go. Schedule as well as you can. They've got some interesting games coming up. They got Alabama home and home on the, later this decade. Uh, they've got uh, they've got some other good non-conference schedule. They got Arkansas a couple of times. And I said, beef up that schedule. Tell them, listen, we got we got some good teams coming in. We'll give you OU. We'll have an OU game every other year that you can have. Put it at 11 a.m. So that's that's the way they can sell it is, hey, we can beef up your Fox contract um, in ways that maybe make it presentable for you guys to to sort of keep your status. Otherwise, it's going to be tough. You know, Fox Fox has Big Ten. They can put it at, at noon, 11 a.m. Central time. But Michigan and Ohio State don't play each other every week. You know, a whole lot of times it's Ohio State, Indiana, and a whole lot of times, you know, ESPN's got that, you know, got that game. And what you're going to see is when Fox and ESPN, or that dual contract they have when they go to picking games, ESPN's going to pick the best Big Ten game first every time just to cripple Fox. 
So they've really got to they really got to beef up that that Pac-12 package. And Oklahoma State's a team that can do it. You know, they don't have the national brand of OU or Texas, but they do have sort of a national reputation for winning. They do have a big offense. People know about their offense. They got cool uniforms, and they got Mike Gundy's mullet. So they need you know, they they gotta they gotta promote that stuff, and maybe you know. Uh, Maybe a you know, Tech, TCU, OSU, and Kansas State would be a you know enough of a of a lure to create a pretty good Eastern Division, and then you could have you know USC and Oregon would come out here every once in a while, play that game at 11 a.m. You, you know Southern Cal at, at OSU or Oregon at TCU, that could be you know you can live with that as a big noon kickoff if you had to. So to me, that's how I would sell the pack. Otherwise, their options, I don't think they have any other than trying to keep the Big 12 together, patch it together. Brigham Young and Boise State, maybe. You know, they've got some television uh, cachet. Try to do something there. It, it, it's going to be a big come down in money, but that might be their best plan B. So Tech, OSU, K-State, and TCU? I, I think that's my four. And TCU's a tough one because they don't want any private schools. But, you know, maybe TCU could point out they've taken they've taken Christian off the name. They're not going by Texas Christian anymore. It's just TCU, you know. I don't know if the PAC would – it's true, but I don't know if the PAC would – but, but you know, that's the best I can see. Um, you know, maybe an Iowa State gets involved. Uh, I'm hopeful Iowa State can find a spot in the Big Ten. I don't know if that'll happen. I love the Cyclones. love everybody up there. I worry about them. But I'm hopeful they can get into the Big Ten. If not, maybe Iowa State could slide into one of those uh, packed slots. But um, it's just all so unknown. And it's a long it, – it's long odds for any of this because none of it makes great financial sense. It's a risk – for Fox, it's a risk for the pack. And I don't know if they'll pull the trigger, but they might have to because otherwise they've got no other options in trying to, to maintain some footing in this increasingly SEC-dominated world. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great point. Um, typically, you don't see schools jump conferences unless they can bring a full share of revenue uh, to the table and not end up diluting the pot or the other schools. And that's what you're getting at when you say it doesn't make great financial sense. But you're, I also think you're right in the sense that the PAC 12 has been desperate to get into the central time zone. They were trying to do that back in 2010 when they had the uh, invitation to the six big 12 schools um, so that people can see their teams play. Otherwise, they're playing it the middle of the night and no one on the East Coast sees Oregon or USC or UCLA. So uh, it is fascinating. And I agree with you. Fox is uh, is getting leveraged here. Um, Barry, anything else that you think is important right now that, uh, you know, as as this waiting game now begins for for Texas and Oklahoma to join the SEC? Oh, I'm. uh... I, I think it's going to be culture shock for you in Texas. Not necessarily. I don't mean the atmosphere at football games, but for so long, 
OU and Texas were sort of the big dogs in their conference. Texas down in Southwest Conference, OU and in uh, the Big Eight, and they formed the Big Twelve and came together. And I know Texas got that reputation of being the big villain that everybody hated. Nebraska, you know, put up billboards to to ferment that belief and still talk about it. They can't talk about the football team, so they they still talk about Texas more than they talk about the Cornhuskers. But the truth is. Uh, yeah, Texas threw its weight around, but you know what? OU did too, and OU was sort of happy to do it and let Texas get all the blame for it. You know, there's not going to be a lot of throwing your weight around in the SEC boardroom. Uh, they're going to go in there with one friend each, and that's each other. And they're going to have to uh, they're going to have to negotiate. They're going to have to network, and they're going to have to make new friends. And uh, they're going to have to sort of listen to the commissioner. You know, we've had a We've had a culture in the Big Eight, and I assume it was that way in the Southwest Conference. Don't really know, but I assume it was where the commissioner was not real strong. It was not a it was not a top down type organization. And then the Big Twelve formed same way. And I think Bob Bowlesby actually changed that a little bit. Probably not a lot, but some. But for literally their whole histories, they've really not been part of a strong central government when it comes to to conferences. And they're going to a place where that's the way it is. You know, Greg Sankey sort of calls up Kentucky and says, listen, oh, you're in Texas are coming and you're going to make $16 million more a year. So you're going to like it. So I don't want to hear anything about it. That's sort of the way it goes in the SEC. And that's not what OU and Texas are accustomed to. They're going to have to adjust to that. Um, it really won't affect uh, the media much or the fans at all. But people on the inside, they're going to have to get used to that. Um you know, that for, for 20, 30 years, you know, OU and Texas have sort of had a high brow look at recruiting saying, you know, that's a, that's a pirate ship down there. Well, they've joined the pirate ship. So, you know, how you adjust to that with, with all the recruiting uh, craziness that goes on, they're going to have to change the way they recruit and some of their methods. And, you know, I assume try to stay above NCA rules, although who knows if there are going to be any NCA rules, you know, with the right. Constitutional Convention coming and uh, NIL. So the whole thing's just, in some ways, it's, it's a wild, wild west with very little oversight. So it's going to be, it's going to be a big change administratively for OU in Texas. But like I said, they've got each other. So, you know, maybe they can soldier through. Barry Trammell. Uh, very great insight as always, uh, always, uh, enjoy the conversation and thanks so much for joining us here on the flagship podcast, uh, for Barry Trammell of the Oklahoman, I am Chip Brown of horns 24 seven. Um, thanks so much everybody for listening to the flagship podcast until next time, stay safe and keep the faith. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. 
We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 